We are in Jude, in verse 5. Jude, in the fifth chapter, we saw that in these uh, three verses, we're going to, uh, four verses we're going to be covering here today, we're going to see he's going to refer to three cases in the past for Israel. Uh, the first is the time in the wilderness. The second is the fallen angels. And the third is the Gentiles in sinful cities. Now, all these are completely different groups. we got people in one group, angels in another, and Gentiles in another. But they're different groups. There are some things they have in common. That's what he wants us to see. So, if we'll pick up here at, at verse 5. Last week we saw that all that is false, whatever is false, is always destructive. So, the sooner we recognize it, get it out of our life, the better. But this is why they will creep or sneak in because if they can get in, destruction is almost certain. At least with uh, all those people who won't recognize it. It's our responsibility as Christians to look for and recognize things that are false. Whether they be people or whether it be teaching. Don't just go around accepting everything that's out there. That all people are just as they appear. And he is going to give us some things to help us to understand what the false would be. In verse 5, he says, I want to remind you of some things you already know. Remember that the Lord saved his people by bringing them out of the land of Egypt. But later, he destroyed all those who did not believe. He says here, I want to remind you. This speaks of a desire that springs from the reasoning uh, facilities. That's according to Wiest. He tells us that part. It's not something that he is, it's coming up in his spirit. It's something that he has reasoned out. I want to remind you. So as he's contemplated these things that he feels in the spirit, the urgency to do, these are the things that he has come to in his, in his mind and his reasoning that he needs to, um, uh, let them know about. I want to remind you, though, though you once knew, he says, I want to remind you of some things you already know, or these are things that they once knew. Uh, the Williams New Testament puts it, though you know it already. And the New Century Version says, I want to remind you of some things you already know. So the knowledge is already there, but he feels the need to remind them to bring it to the to a fresh point. Sometimes we've had people, <clears throat> people remind us of things in the past, and as soon as they remind us, oh yeah, I do know that. But it wasn't something that we were mindful of up until then. Now, Mayer, he puts it this way. He said, it suggests something of anxiety and upbraiding, which may be compared to the tone of Paul in writing to the Galatians. Remember Paul in writing to them, he says, I'm amazed at how quickly you left the gospel. So he puts it all along that way. Now, the sin of the Israelites, this was... Uh, they were given a confirming report of God's word on the land. All the time they had left the area of Egypt, and as they were going on their way, they had been told it was a land flowing with milk and honey. They were told how good the land is. And they sent in the spies, and the spies came back and said, it's exactly like God said. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. Look at the fruit. But, they said, and of course they gave them a bad report, and they persuaded against believing in God, that he would give it to them. Even though God has been saying all along. He said, first off, this is what the land looks like. This is what is in the land, and I will give it to you. So the first part of what God said came true, and they had people that went in and confirmed it. So if that part was true, why wouldn't the rest of it be? But they convinced them to not believe it. So they disbelieved to the point of rebellion, and they refused to enter. They refused to do what God said to do what they had brought, been brought there to do. And this is a this is the rebellious part on them. So let's read that one more time. I want to remind you of some things you already know. Remember that the Lord saved his people by bringing them out of the land of Egypt, but later he destroyed all those who did not believe. So God thought enough of these people to give them a promise to bring them with a strong hand with many miracles out of the land of Egypt had many more miracles throughout the, the wilderness up until the promised land, as far as the manna, as far as the water from the rock. Um, many different things occurred 
that showed God his, that showed the people the strength of God. And then when they get there, they decide to not believe. And because of that disbelief, God says, well, you're going to die here in the wilderness. You've been saying it all along. So now it's going to happen. You're going to die. I'm going to raise up your children and they're going to go in. So that's the first example that he uses. Then he goes on to the next example. In verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now proper domain is the Greek word arche. It means first beginning or first place in power. Many places this is talking about something that occurred first in, in time. It also talks about those that are higher in power. Powers that would be over, over others. That's uh, many of the places that it, that it's used. So here it says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain. Some people would look at this and say their first domain and see that as referring to heaven. That would have been their first domain and they did not keep that. So we have a, uh, basically three different opinions on this. One as uh, the, what I just said, it was the fall of the angels, the third that fell, and they didn't keep their proper uh, place, the first place that they had, and they get that from the the time, the the aspect of time that is in this word. The second one is the account of Genesis, where it talks about the angels who didn't keep their uh, proper place, where they should have been residing, where they had been at, and they came down to the daughters of men. That would be the Genesis account. And there's some that believe there was some other event only known through traditions. I really don't know why people go to that one. I can understand a little bit why they are saying the fall of angels. But once you look at the context of this and the context of other places, I don't think there's any room for anything but the account of Genesis. In the book of Enoch, and I've called that up here so I could read it to you, he uses the same word, and he is talking about how, at least when they do the Septuagint, they do the translation, they use that, that particular word there. But he is referring to the angels who did not keep their place but came down to the daughters of men. That's actually how he phrases it and puts that into perspective there. And there's also some places in, in other areas of Scripture, and, and we're going to read some uh, down the road here, but I'm going to let that go for just a, just a moment. This is Enoch 12 and verse 4. Enoch, the, the scribe, writes us to declare to the watchers of the heaven who have left the high heaven, the holy eternal place, and have defied themselves with women, and have done as the children on earth do, and have taken unto themselves wives. Ye have wrought great destruction on on the earth. I have to keep moving it around. It won't, it won't show up on the whole screen. On that, but there he's talking. He's using the, the word, and he's talking actually about their their place, their domain that they came down from uh, this place to the daughters of men. And I think it just fits a lot more in with the the rest of this verse. We'll show you why here. And the angels who do not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains and a darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, as I read this, I don't get the sense that he's referring to all angels being reserved in darkness. But this word here, uh, reserved, is the Greek word tereo. It's in the perfect tense, which means it is a past event that has continual action. It's not something that is continuing going on. He's not constantly taking different ones and putting them. So it was a one-time thing that it happened. Those who believe that this is describing the fall of the angels from heaven would see the one-time thing is the when Satan fell and they fell with him. And if you're in the area where I am, I believe it's a Genesis account, then you're looking at the uh, the time when they were locked up. Now, there was two different groups that were locked up. There was the first group that set out to do this, and that group, the offspring from that group was wiped out in the flood. Then there was a second group. So each one of them, one-time event, it was done, and they were locked up, and they were reserved. But again, it doesn't. I don't read this and see that the entire fallen angels are um, reserved to judgment. The uh, word here for chains does not literally mean chains, but it means in custody. And so the way that they'll look at this word, if you're in the first group where you see this as the fall of Satan, they look at this as they, they are under watch. 
the whole time that they're in operation, they're, they're under watch, and it would see it as that. Um, but Peter, who's very similar to some of the things in, in Jude, he puts this down as they are in Tartaros, which is a separate hell. And we'll go over some of those things in just a, just a little bit here. But let's read this one more time. The angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, this is the place they were supposed to be, uh, abode there is their habitation, their, the place where they were, were, were supposed to operate in or live in or habitate. He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness. That word darkness is the, is the word used to describe the darkness awaiting those that are judged by God. We're going to read these verses in Peter, but I'll just refer this to you right now. Second Peter 2, 4, and 17, we'll talk about this. So it's not necessarily the darkness that where the fallen angels are now. It is a darkness of judgment. And they're not under that judgment just yet. So this, this leads me to believe that it's a small group of these fallen angels that are in that dark darkness, dark place, or as Peter would put it, Tartaros. There are three words that are translated hell. And hell is not used in this particular passage, but Peter will use one of those words when he discuss, discusses this. The first one is Gehenna. You may have heard that phrase used before. Hebrew, it is Hehinnom. It is the Valley of Hinnom. It is a deep, narrow valley south of, of Jerusalem where Molech was worshipped until Josiah turned it into a refuge place. And it became the symbol of the future punishment because of the continual fire and smoke that would come up from there. So they called this valley, uh, uh, they called hell after this valley because this valley just reminded them of a place of eternal burning and smoke so forth. So that's what they, uh, that's how Gehenna became used for this. Hades is another one. Hebrew uses a similar word to it. It's, it's Sheol. Hades and Sheol are the same. Uh, Hades would be the Greek word. Sheol would be the Hebrew. The transliteration in our Bibles would mean the unseen. Greeks taught that the place of the good was the part called Elysium and the bad part was Tartaros. So you can see where the Christians and the Greeks kind of vary off of that one. We don't call that part of hell Tartaros. We have a, another use for that one. Uh, Christianity was, of course, different in this in teaching that Hades was a temporary place. For the dead, not permanent. The Greeks saw Hades as the permanent place of the dead. The Christians saw Hades as the temporary place. They also taught that there were two sides. There was the good side and the bad side. The good side, of course, being Abraham's bosom. The bad side being hell. And the people that are in hell were would be contained there until they were judged and then put into the great white throne judgment. But those that were on the good side were set free when Jesus Christ went down, set the captives free and took them up into heaven. The third word is Tartaros. And Peter uses this in 2 Peter 2 and verse 4. And this would be the prison of the fallen angels. And so Peter, as he looks at this, this situation, he looks at certain angels that did things, they stepped out of their bounds and they were locked up. Now just to have some fun and to throw something else in here, over in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40. It's not in your outline. You can write that down if you would like to. Matthew 25 and verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me. We're getting here in the middle of the story, but you know this story pretty well. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now that verse is uh, very familiar to you. But here's a here's just something to think about on this one and I don't know necessarily that I have the answer for it. But he says, depart from me. This is at the end of the tribulation. Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger you did not take me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will, uh, they will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. 
And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Now this is Jesus teaching on the end times, and he's teaching what happens at the end of the end times. Many times people use this verse as what we should do and what are our good behaviors and things that we look favorably upon when we get to heaven. That would be a false teaching out of this because you cannot take this teaching and apply it to where we live now. We are living in the church age. These things do not prove anything to God until the time of the tribulation. So people who want to live up to this are not living up to what Jesus has asked for them to do and that won't be possible until the tribulation. The reason for that is, he said, I was hungry and you gave me no food. How hard is it for us to feed people? It's not difficult at all. Uh, maybe we, we uh, can't feed as many people as we might like to, but we could pick somebody up who's hungry and we could give them a meal. Wouldn't be a problem for us to do. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. Most of us certainly could uh, find a bottle of water or find a, a drink for somebody somewhere. That wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a big deal. I was a stranger and you did not take me in, naked and you clothed me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And so people begin to look at this and say, well, this describes our heart condition. We're not going into the prison to visit people. We're not uh, putting clothes on, on people's backs. So we need to go out there and make sure that we're clothing the, the uh, homeless and the, the people that are out there on the street. But this is, is, is not what he's talking about at all. And nowhere in the scriptures does he ever say that these things will get us into heaven. But here, this is exactly what he is using to differentiate between the good and the bad. And yet, today we have many people that you would consider to be bad doing these acts of goodness. And then many people that are good, maybe not doing these, these acts of goodness. So what is it that Jesus is teaching is once again, it's a tribulation period. During the tribulation period, this is going to be the only time in history where feeding the poor, clothing those that are not clothed, and visiting the, the, the uh, sick and the, those that are in prison is the only time it will be an act of faith. No other time in the history of, of mankind will this be an act of faith. But during the tribulation, if you do not take the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell, which means you can't buy food. So if you do have any food, even if you have money, you can't just go out there and buy food. But if you do have some food, that is an act of faith in God to take care of you if you were to give that food away. You can't go out and buy clothes. So for you to give away clothes that you have, you are taking from the limited resources that you have as a believer, as one who wouldn't take the mark of the beast and would not be able to go in and to buy things. Now, if you are one of those who does not take the mark of the beast... And you're going to go into prison. We, we interpret that. Many people interpret that now. That we should go out there and visit those people that are in prison that are unsaved and try and get them saved. And there's nothing wrong with that. You could certainly go out there and do that. It's all, all good things to do. But um, there's no salvation for you in doing those particular things. What you'll be looking at here in the end times is the people that are locked up that they're going to go in there and visit are people who are locked up for their faith. They were locked up maybe because they didn't take the mark of the beast or because they wouldn't bow down. And so they got locked up. If you walk into the prison and visit somebody who's in there for not worshiping God, who do you think is watching? Don't you think the powers that be would be watching? Let's see who visits these people. And if you walk in, you're going to have to walk in without the mark of the beast. If you can't buy and sell, how are you going to get into the prison? So the very act of them doing this, somehow they, they believe, well, God, if you want me to go in there and visit this one, if God put it on their heart to go out there and do that, then you're going to have to get me in the gate. And so they show up. That What an act of faith to show up at the prison the whole time. Well, can't you just hear the devil mentioning, they're going to lock you up. They're going to lock you up. They're going to find out you don't have that mark. They're going to lock you up. You better run. You better get out of here. <laughs> but they don't. They go in and they visit. And they'll, uh, they're, they're making a step of faith. And they're going in to encourage the people that are in there. And then believing that they can get out and to leave. And apparently they did so. Because he's there at the, at the uh, separation of the good and the bad. And they apparently made it all the way through the tribulation to the end. And didn't die. 
So it would seem that there are going to be some people that are going to be able to do this. They're going to feed people even though they have no food themselves. Now you remember how Elijah was fed. He circumvented the whole system and uh, the ravens came and they fed him. And of course those ravens, they went and they took the, ki- the food from the king himself because they landed upon the table that he would put this food out and worship his God and they would pick that stuff up and they'd take it right over. So the king himself was feeding Elijah, the guy he was after. <laughs> but I tell you, God has a great way of doing some things with that. But certainly they'll be able to, to do this here. So this will be a tremendous test of their faith in the only time in history that it is. Right now, if you went into the prison to go visit people, you have no fear that you're not coming back out. You have no fear that somebody's going to discover something about me because I don't have something, uh, a mark of the beast or some kind of a thing of that nature. But this is what I want you to see here in verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Is hell prepared for the devil and his angels? Hell as in the the bad half, not the good half. The devil and his angels never enter into hell. While hell is in operation, they're out doing stuff. And apparently it doesn't seem that hell is a prison that would keep them. That's why another one was made, which is called Tartaros. Some places call it a bottomless pit. But that was a place that would keep them under bondage and that they would not be able to to get out from. Hell is not prepared for the devil and his angels. What is prepared for the devil and his angels is the lake of fire. And we know that at the end of the tribulation that the false prophet and the Antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire. But up at that point, they're the only two inhabitants to the place. And the rest of the inhabitants don't occur until Revelations chapter 20. This is after the thousand-year reign, after the rebellion. In Revelations 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead. That's hell. Uh, Delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire has two inhabitants, from what we can tell in Scripture, for a thousand years. At the end of a thousand years, we have the great white throne judgment. Everyone, all the dead, are brought before it, and then they are cast into the, the, the lake of fire. So let's go back to verse 41 of Matthew 25. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, the everlasting fire, the word for hell, is not used. None of the words for hell are used in this this place. It's the word everlasting and the word fire, which would seem to describe the lake of fire more than it would anything else. The only place that was prepared for the devil and his angels was the lake of fire. This is where they would be, be going, going to. This is where they would eventually be put. But they're not there now. So, this is my question on this one. These people, are they cast into the lake of fire? Or are they cast into hell awaiting the lake of fire? I would have to assume that they're probably cast into hell awaiting the lake of fire, which would be their next next stop. But it is kind of interesting that it kind of skips the whole hell part on here and just says that they were they were put in there. A lot of people have the idea that hell is the devil's headquarters, and it is not. He has no access to it. It's not his place. God made it. God made it to keep people. He did not keep make it to keep angels. He made it to keep people. And those that are awaiting judgment go on down there and they wait. So that's the three different types of hell that we have in the Word of God. If we go on to verse 7, 
as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the word there for as is the Greek word has, and it's an adverb of comparison. Basically, in the same manner as, or after the same fashion as, or just as. So basically, when it says as, we're saying just as, in the same manner as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. <clears throat> so Sodom and Gomorrah, we know that their sin was a sexual sin. There was many different sins that they had, but the men, one that they are most uh, known for was the sin of homosexuality. And we saw this being demonstrated when the angels came to get Lot out. And the men of the city all gathered around and they they uh, wanted the men that had come in. And this is what they had done. This is uh, you, you get the idea here from, from Jude and the cities around them in a similar manner. And there were some cities around Sodom and Gomorrah that were caught up into the judgment that had occurred. And the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. So in the same way that the fallen angels had gone after flesh that was different, the flesh that was not supposed to be uh, theirs, these uh, Sodom and Gomorrah people did the same thing. Went after stuff they weren't supposed to go after. There was sexual immorality, going after strange flesh and set forth as an example. And whenever you talk about this kind of sexual sin, Sodom and Gomorrah is always what comes to mind. In fact, uh, some of that's even named after Sodom. They have a terminology that they use. It is named after the city of Sodom. We don't need to get into all that. But this, it's, they're showing a likeness in the comparison of the angels and those at Sodom and Gomorrah. The sexual sin that had, had occurred. So both commit the same sin. As he uses that word there, just as. So there's a, the similarity that is there. So we had the people in Israel. And they rejected the word of God and went against it. They rebelled in that way. And then we had the fallen angels who rejected what the word of God said, what the, the not only the, the written word of God as in the Bible, I mean the word of God that was to them and what they were not able to do. And they went against it. And they did things that they were not supposed to do. They, they left the realm they were supposed to operate in. And so punishment had come upon them. And Sodom and Gomorrah, these did the same thing. They left this area sexual morality, and so we're using them as an example. So these churches that are going around, and let's just accept all these different sexual deviants, all these different sexual sins, this is just, uh, you know, God just made them that way, or whatever. It's, uh, you cannot accept that and be a Bible-believing Christian. The, the Bible will tell you this. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us to hate on people that are going in the wrong direction. We don't hate on them. We just we try and win them over for God, get them out of their sinful ways. Same way we don't hate people that rob banks. But we do work on them to try and get them from robbing the banks or from stealing from people. We'd rather them move in a way of not stealing from, from people and learning how to uh, go to jo- get a job, earn a living, not to go after all those other things. So you don't hate on the people, but you don't just condone the behavior just because the person says, I, well, I was born a murderer, so I just had to go out and murder people. We don't accept that. We won't let that, that go on. But for some reason, there are some churches today that are accepting deviant uh, behavior and just accepting it to the point that churches are not only accepting this, but there are many denominations that will engage in the marrying of of, uh, people of the same sex. Um, Protestant denominations that will go about and they will will do this. And they will have this going on in the the church. In fact, some of these denominations are accepting uh, ministers and pastors in the church that are in this type of homosexual relationship or homosexual marriage. And they just have embraced that. Well, that's not something that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to stand up and be different and to, to go against these, these things that the world has. So he says here, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. They are set forth as an example. The Greek word there means to lie exposed. That God has taken the covers off and shown this is an example. This is what is going on here. 
This is what was going on. Don't follow after the example. Don't do what these folks are doing. Set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of fire. The word there for suffering means to hold or to put under. And vengeance is probably better translated as punishment. Better translation of that word would be punishment. So, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. That's the direction that's where they're going to go to. And how much love can we have if we don't tell people that are involved in sins that have caused people in the past to be subject to eternal fire? How much love do we have for them if we don't tell them, get out of that. Don't follow after that, that sort of thing. In verse 8, he says, Likewise also, these dreamers. Now that word there, dreamer, is used in uh, one other place in the Word of God. And it's used in a very positive way. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. That's where our word is. And he calls them here these, these dreamers. So apparently they are seeing some things in their dreams, pursuing these things. They're not of God or God wouldn't be punishing them. So likewise also, these dreamers defile the flesh the same way that these other ones did. You know that the Israelites, when they disbelieved God and went against His Word, the Word of God says they defiled flesh. These angels who left the proper domain where they're supposed to be and came down to the daughters of men, we understand that they defiled flesh. And also the Sodom and the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, they also defiled flesh. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So these, these people that are teaching these false teachings that are coming in and creeping into the congregation, he puts them in the same category as the people who, who led the entire congregation of Israel in the wilderness into a place of judgment. He puts them in the same category as these angels who came down to the daughters of men to try and create this, this race of people that would pervert the bloodline and prevent Messiah from being able to be born of a human. There would be a mixed bloodline and therefore you couldn't have a pure human being born if they could get that uh, bloodline mixed all the way around, which is why the flood came to wipe out all those that were of uh, uh, this perverse blood. That's why with uh, Noah, it says his generations were perfect. He did not have any of that foreign blood in him. He was all completely from the uh, birth of Adam. And it was just people all his his line. Now, David was commissioned, as was Saul, to wipe out the last of the giants. Israel was commissioned to go in and, and wipe them all out, all the giants out of the land. But they didn't do it all. And so it came down to Saul. Saul got in there and wiped them all out. He didn't do it. David was the last one. He was, he was the one who came in and he wiped out the last of the giants. And so they were wiped out in, in that manner. But likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So we have three different things here. When he says this word likewise or in the same way. So we just covered these three. He covered those three for particular reasons. Of all the things in the Word of God, he grabbed these particular three. He's got three groups of people. He's got the the people that are Hebrews, people that are Gentiles, and he's got uh, people that are not people. <laughs> They're angels, fallen angels. So he's got three different groups there that he's he's pulling from. Likewise also, these dreamers, these people who who uh, envision things, who see things, but they're not from God, who say, God has given me this or God has shown me this, but God did not give it to them. God did not speak to them. They do not have anything from the throne of God, but they are trying to pass it off as having something from the throne of God. These, these false teachers, these false people, they defile the flesh. Most times, people that are involved in this type of false things are, you're going to be looking at, at uh, sexual depravity in their life. In their actions, they're going to be involved in things that you sit there and you say, how can people who claim to be worshipers of God be involved in these things? But they will be involved in them. He says they will, they will defile the flesh. That's the first thing. Secondly, they're going to reject authority. And of course you see this 
with all the, the previous ones, the Israelites, what did the authority say to them? Go in and take the land. What did they do? They rejected that authority. The angels who fell, they had an authority that said, this is, this is the line. You cannot cross this line. They knew they were not supposed to cross it. Somehow Satan talked them into it. And they were judged. And somehow after they were judged, he got a second group to do it. He never seemed to be able to get a third group. And now it's too late anyway. Jesus was already born. So there's no, no reason for doing that. But he, but, uh, the Father showed us, uh, angels, fallen angels, if you minister in this way, if you go out in this way, if you try and do these things, judgment will come and you'll get locked up. So nobody else decided to go. But they reject authority. And then of course we have the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. They rejected authority. They didn't see anybody else. No, this is what we want to do. They came over to Lot's house. This is what we want to do. We don't care what anybody else says. This is what we want to do. We see a lot of that today. People want to just reject authority. The police officer comes up and says, you know, don't do this, do this, stand down, whatever it might be. Uh, we just reject that authority. And this is, this is following after the wrong pattern. And we have to be careful of these, these kind of things. So it says, likewise also these, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. They will just speak evil of those that are over them. You remember the incident where Paul was brought before, we just read this in our, our daily reading, Paul was brought before the, the high council, and the high priest was there, and there was confusion on who the high priest was, which is why Paul didn't know who the high priest was. Because they had a standing high priest, but they also had an acting high priest. There's a whole lot of corruption that was going on there, and I'm not going to get into all that was, was going on. But when you see the uh, Ananias was a, a high priest, well, he was taken out of that position, and he was able to get one of his relatives put in, in place. But he was so he acted up so badly, they actually removed him from that position. And he still continued to wield that power through his uh, one of his relatives. And so there are many times that he was he was acting as the high priest, even though he was not the high priest. Now, Paul, there he he has that uh, accusation thrown at him, and he says something about it, and and uh, calls them a, a what was it a whitewashed tomb or something like that, whitewashed sepulcher. And so uh, they uh, told him to strike him. And uh, he, Paul said, well, I did not realize that he was the high priest. So even though he was right in what he said, Paul said, no, I, I, I shouldn't say that to you are a dignitary, and he should not have that. And that's what we're, what he's getting at here. If you have the right heart with God, you will not speak evil of dignitaries. And this is where we, we have to be careful. And a lot of times uh, we see dignitaries today doing things that we consider to be sinful. And we have to make sure that we speak against the evil, but don't speak evil of dignitaries. Because that is accepting a wrong mentality. We've seen this with uh, many different presidents. No matter who you have in office, there's, there's always somebody in the Christian church, groups of people, who say, we don't like that one. And you have to be careful with it. Uh, you know, when, when President Obama was, was in office, and he did a number of things against... Uh, the church and a number of things um, uh, that that were detrimental to the gospel being spread. And I know there are people in churches that know he didn't, but you can go back and you can see the different things. And but anyway, uh, regardless of, of that, you had these things are going on. Well, some people in the church would see that and felt they had a license to speak evil of President Obama, and you don't have that right. You got to make sure that you don't go around saying all kinds of evil and all kinds of nasty stuff and follow the example of Paul. Because otherwise, you're, fall, you're falling into a wrong mentality. Now we got people in the church, you know, they believe that uh, Trump is, is uh, evil. And so the one group that was feeling that President Obama was good is pretty much the same group of people that now thinks that uh, President Trump is evil. And so now they're speaking all kinds of evil. And you cannot get into that. If you start to get into those kind of things, speak evil, evil of dignitaries, here's what Jude is saying. You're following after the wrong spirit. You're following after the wrong pattern. This is what people in this camp do. 
They speak evil of dignitaries. I can, can pinpoint the evil that is going on. This is much like John the Baptist. John the Baptist would speak to the evil that the king was doing. But the king overall liked him <laughs> and didn't want to kill him. And when uh, Herod had the, the dance, you know, and uh, got conned into chopping the, the head off, he was remorseful. Even though this guy was speaking against the evil that he was doing, he didn't speak against him. He didn't speak evil of the dignitary. He spoke of the evil that he was doing and what end result that would have for the king. And and uh, pinpoint that. Well, his wife just got to the point where she began to speak evil of John the Baptist and wanted evil to happen. So we have to be careful that we do not fall into that type of a pattern. That, um, that you just don't... You just don't believe every re- evil report. I would, I would watch some you know, during the eight years of President Obama, and I would watch some who, who uh, saw the evil, some of the things that he was doing, and, and they would see a report, and if it was derogatory, they would immediately believe it. They didn't feel the need to go out and check anything out, and they would begin to repeat some of these things. And, and I, sometimes I would tell them, wait a minute, I don't know that that's exactly right. I mean, I'm not on board with everything that he's doing, but I don't think he did that one. <laughs> you, have to, you have to go back and you have to check some of these things out. Um, but this is what he's listed as a trait. Likewise also, these dreamers, these people that are false, they defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Of all the traits, and you know, there's a lot more traits that these guys have. Of all the traits that he could pinpoint, all the traits that he could pull out, these are the three that he decided to pull out. These are the three things. We have three examples. We have three traits. You see a lot of threes in, in this uh, chapter. I believe there's four groups of threes all together. So these dreamers, he calls them dreamers. He uses the word that's used very positively in the New Testament. Only two times this word is used. But he says, likewise also these dreamers, they see things. That word talks about people that are Christians seeing things in the Spirit, dreaming Dreaming dreams. Your old men will dream dreams. Getting things from God. He's saying that these folks are are dreamers. They're probably claiming to have had dreams or for God to have visited them in the nighttime and given them things. And this is where this doctrine came from. This is where this teaching came from. I was sleeping last night and I saw this dream. And they began to, to list this false doctrine. And people would give them uh, uh, credit. Well... They had this, it was a dream from God, so there must be, there must be something to it. They wouldn't test, they wouldn't test it out, they wouldn't check it out, they just accept it. And he's trying to warn them, guys, these are false people. These are people bringing false things in. You, you, don't let these folks to come in. Don't just believe these things that they're saying. You gotta check this stuff out. Now if you wanna, some ways to be able to tell, here's how you can tell that these, these folks are coming in. They defile the flesh, they're going to have something going on in the area of sexual sins. They're either going to be involved in adultery. The, some of these folks, and it's, it's happened in church. Did it not happen in church where people in ministry, people in, in that kind of capacity, were doing things with children that they should not have been doing? That's a sexually deviant thing to be doing. And you're, you're hurting those kids. And we, we saw many an account of that going on. Uh, some of these these people, they would have multiple sexual partners that this would be going on. So you're going to see that they're going to do things that defile the flesh. Because this is what they do. These are unclean spirits that they're given into and they're going to lead you to do unclean things. So the first thing he puts in that list, they're going to defile the flesh. Somehow they're going to be doing something that's going to be defiling the flesh. Just watch their actions. You, you can't put this stuff under wraps for too long. You shine the light on it and it's going to come out. They reject authority. You got to make sure that you, that if they're rejecting authority, if they're just speaking poorly about every single authority figure that's out there, more than likely, there's something wrong here. You can point out the wrongness of the authority. You can point out the wrong that the authority is doing. But you cannot just get up there and speak evil to them. Oh, I hope that person just dies. Well, that's wrong. 
That's not something we're supposed to be speaking as Christians. And if you are of the right spirit, you won't speak those things. But people who are of the right spirit can get pulled in. This is one of the ways you can get pulled in. Don't let yourself get pulled in. There's some evil people out there. Now, I've said some things about like Nancy Pelosi and some other ones like that. I want to see them come into judgment. I'm looking forward to that because they have brought a lot of people in it. But I'm living in the hands of God. I know that when they face God, I know that the judgment, I'm going to not have a hand in that at all. I'm not going to take any action in that area at all. But I do know, you know, God is going to do these things. Now they get saved and born again. Well, you know, that's, I guess that's good for them. But I've seen the harm that these people have done to others. And I'll tell you, just it gets me angry. I'm sure it gets a lot of other people angry. But we still can't get up there and just say all kinds of slanderous things about these people. I'll, t- I'll say some, some things that they've done. I haven't mentioned many of the things that Nancy has done. I'll list her actions. This is wrong. You can't be doing this. You can't go out there and, and uh, operate in this way. You can't be out there blackmailing these ones and uh, doing all the different things that, uh, that these people are, are doing. This isn't the, the right way to go. But that's not speaking evil. That's shining light on the evil that they're doing. I didn't make them go out there and do these evil things. This isn't something that we are wondering, well, I wonder if they actually did that. No, we know that they did it. The evidence has been there. But somehow, they're still not in prison. Most other people would be. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Jesus himself would point out the sin the Pharisees were doing. The sins that the Sadducees would be walking in. That the leaders of the people. He, he said right out there, you're making uh, your, your followers twice as fit for hell as you are yourselves. He would, he would speak to them about what they were doing. You're making them live up to something that you yourselves cannot live up to. You're trying to get them to do things on the Sabbath and you yourself won't do them on the Sabbath. You're trying to get them to, to follow this example that you say you do, but you don't follow that example. And he's bringing all these particular things out. So he calls out the evil. But he doesn't just sit there and call them names. Now they would to him. But he wouldn't do that to them. And that's where you have to, to draw the line. So make sure that you stay out of it. It doesn't mean that if you heard somebody and they said some kind of, they called somebody in leadership a name. Well, thank God we can, we can slip from this and fall every once in a while. We're talking about people who make it a pattern. Who go this direction all the time. This is their life. This is who they are. What Jude is telling us here is that these people, they're going to creep in. They're going to do some things to try and keep it secret, try and keep it hidden. But you can't hide this kind of behavior all the time. You can't keep it hidden. It's going to come out. People are, are, are around. They're going to see the sexual deviancy that they've, they've uh, stepped into. Because they can't stop themselves from doing it. They're going to keep on pursuing these things. And it's going to be, it's going to be found out. You know, you just, even the last couple of weeks, you just hear some of these things that these people are doing. It's like, really? <laughs> but they do. They can't stop moving in these areas because it's just something that pulls them on in. The enemy just loves pulling people into these kind of areas because it keeps them imprisoned. So just know the light gets shown on these things will will come out. They'll defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Well, this I put in your outline there. To despise is to do away with something laid down, prescribed, established, and to thwart the effectiveness of anything, nullify, make void, or frustrate. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to... to to uh, stop the effectiveness of anything by the things that they say. They're going to be uh, talking about dignitaries, rulers, in such a way that nobody will, will count them. And you'll see this sometimes in the areas, even with uh, police, that people are told such derogatory things about them that when they encounter a police officer, they don't, they don't want to listen to them. They want to be able to pull out their weapon. I'm not going to put my weapon away. I'm going to keep my weapon out. And you, as a police officer, I don't have to listen to you. See, they've been told these kind of things. And so then they begin to act in a certain way. And then sometimes police officers have to take action 
that they probably themselves wish they would not have to take. But they have to take action to protect the people that are around them and to do it to protect themselves. Well, if they don't protect themselves, then they won't be in a position to protect the people that are around them. But I was always taught, if a police officer tells you to drop something, you drop it. I don't care if it's a, if it's a, <laughs> not even a weapon. If they see something in your hand, then you just, you just drop it. That's just, uh, what you do. That's how I was taught. I know not everybody who has taught that. And some people, they just want to just speak in a way that is derogatory to them, but it will get you in, in trouble. They, they're taught to despise. This is one of the things of these, of these people. Now, he says that here in the Word of God that there's, there's certain traits that these false men follow after. He spells them out. Keep an eye out on these things. If you see, he only gave you three traits. He apparently feels that these are the three main ones. You keep an eye out for these three, the rest of the things will fall in place. But you be looking out for people that are following a sexually deviant lifestyle. Be looking out for that. Be looking out for people who speak evil of dignitaries. Who reject authority. Be looking out for this. Because if you see these traits, more than likely there's going to be more of those things in their life. So look for them, recognize them, be warned by them. When you begin to see them, just know, wait a minute, this could be one of the people that Jude warned us about. People that are going to creep in. We're not so much concerned about people that are outside the church. We expect them to follow in this way and do these things. And we're not going to, we're not as open to receiving things of God from them. We know whether they're not of God, they're not going to have things of God from me. But people that have crept into the church, people that have gotten into a prominent ministry and, you know, they were, they're up there on, um, on stage. Maybe they're at a, have a big church somewhere or, uh, somehow have a big stage or a big following and they get on TV and we just sit there and we listen and well, this is the minister of God. Surely he's got some things. If you see this kind of stuff going on, be careful. Be, be warned. Now I wanted to read for you 2 Peter chapter 2. I told you last week that there's a lot of similarities in here. Now after we've gone through just these uh, few verses here in Jude, listen, I'm just going to read this and you just kind of listen to it. 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will be, they will exploit you with deceptive words. And for a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered, there's Tartaros, he uses that particular word, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. See, he's, when he's talking about this instant, it's not talking about all the, the group of the fallen angels, it's talking about a particular group of them. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. Now he pulls in another example. One of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. So he brings in the example of Sodom and Gomorrah as well. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. How many times have you been tormented day to day to see all the lawlessness that's going on in the people that are around you? We're not talking about saved people being in lawlessness. Lot was around people that were unsaved, not following after God, and that stuff that they were following into bothered them. If you ever get bothered by the world's ungodliness that they're walking in now, lawlessness that they're walking in now, you're in the same place as Lot when he was in. There's nothing new. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. There's that despising of authority again. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Same phraseology there, isn't it? 
whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. Do not people today speak evil of what they don't understand? How many people writing in newspaper columns or reporting on TV speak evil of things going on in the church but they have absolutely no understanding of it? But they just speak evil of the thing that they see. Many times they'll speak evil of something. They will twist an event that had occurred, speak evil about it, and even though it shows that they're not not uh, seeing the thing for what actually happened, they'll still go out there and speak evil about it and people will still believe it. Read that in 12 again. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Hmm. They're in the feast with the, with the children of God, but they're out there carousing and doing things that they really shouldn't be doing in the other times. Having eyes full of adultery, there's a sexual aspect of a sexual sin again, Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure, allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So they're taking people who were once caught up in this stuff in the world, got set free from it, bringing them back into bondage again, but now they're being brought back into bondage by people in the church. And he said that latter end is even worse. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returned to its own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now you can tell there's a whole lot of details we could obviously be getting into, but don't need. I just want you to see some of the similarities that are here. These are the things we need to watch out for. Because just as they were creeping in in Jude's day, just as Peter had to warn that these things were coming. Just as Jesus warned that these things were coming. Paul warned these things were coming. These things are still coming. These things still come at us. And we have to be aware of them. If we fall victim to them, we cannot claim ignorance. I cannot say I didn't know. Because the Word of God has warned us over and over and over. And Jude, very quickly here, he just lists three things to help us be able to spot these folk, these things out. Their sexual behavior. The way that they reject authority, well, then no one has authority except for me. They don't have that, uh, that respect for authority. And the way that they speak evil of dignitaries. Now, just because anybody does any of those particular things doesn't mean they're in that group. These folks actually participate in all three. But do stay clear of walking into these things because if we start walking in any one of them, we can get pulled into all of them and become the very people that Jude is warning us about. But he's got more to get into here in the, the weeks to come. He's going to get into the uh, speaking evil of dignitaries and using Michael, the archangel. So we're going to get into some of the things about the uh, Satan, Michael, the archangel, positions in, in that way. We'll get into that uh, next week. Father, we thank you for the warning that you give us in your word. For you have made it simple for us to understand how we can spot those that are false and those that would bring harm and destruction to the body of Christ and to our lives personally. But we can stand up against them. We can spot them. We can see them. And I thank you that we do not have to be 
those that succumb to them. But your light shines upon them and we see the depravity, we see the source, we see that they are not sent from God nor do they have the words of God and we know to be resistant to them. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.